Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Here you go. Here you go. Eighty-four. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is November sixteenth, two thousand and twenty-four. Eighty-four is the age that my father would have turned had he not passed away in February of two thousand twenty-one. And I wanted to wish him a happy birthday, and hope that everybody is right when they say that things happen after you die, and that he's still watching the show. Though, if you were watching, he'd probably call me the way he used to after every show. Tell me what was wrong with it, what I did wrong. You think you people all correct me. Those corrections came fast and furious. You didn't talk about this or that. I know he was proud, although hard to tell. But I think I knew. Happy birthday, Dad. We all miss you more than you know. 230. That was my alternate number of the day. If today had not been November 16th, 1939. $230 million is the amount of money that Deshaun Watson was guaranteed by Jimmy Haslam and his wife. I want to bring it back to how that worked. Deshaun Watson was involved in some legal issues. He may have done some inappropriate things to a few people, may have gotten involved in some massage issues. He may or may not have had some issues with the NFL. He may or may not have missed time and he may or may not have been a free agent. And then he may or may not out of nowhere have signed a guaranteed deal of $230 million following a trade from the Texans. Maybe. There's rumors that that's how it all went down. $230 million is a number of guaranteed dollars that owners were not happy with in the NFL. It was always going to be a ceiling. And then it became clear that every owner, 31 of them, in the National Football League were going to root very hard for Deshaun Watson to be bad. A subset of bad is hurt. You don't wish a player to get CTE. You don't wish a, a player to get really, really hurt. A broken shoulder, a broken bone, an ACL. Coca gets upset when I tell you things that are thought about within teams because some things you all would be happier not to know or not to think. I tend to understand why he thinks that, but I think it's important in this case to understand that when you have something that happens to your salary structure, like when Craig Council gets $8 million, every team, not just in the NL Central, but every team in baseball is rooting for the Chicago Cubs to not do well, no matter how much they love 
Craig Council, and everybody loves Craig Council, except for people from Milwaukee. Not anymore. Now it's all about rooting against the Cubs. The same way Peter Seidler was sick and unfortunately just passed away, even though he was sick last year, owners, teams, GMs rooting against the Padres. So rooting against Deshaun Watson, rooting for him to be bad, rooting for him to get hurt. No one ever thought that Watson's career in Cleveland would be what it's been. Let's say he comes back in 2024 because he's out for the season it was announced. To his chagrin, to his surprise, the articles say, to his disbelief, he wanted to play through the pain. I've got this, guys. And the doctor said, no, you can't play through that. One little hit. It's like playing with a concussion. Yeah, of course I want to play. You get hit in the head again. Guess what? If he got hit in the shoulder area, he was told his shoulder could explode. There's no way the Cleveland Browns were going to allow him to take a snap. They're not going to allow him to do anything with that shoulder. They're going to tell him to use the other hand to do any activity that he does during the course of the offseason. Because either way, unlike most contracts in football, Deshaun Watson will get $230 million. So when he comes back in 2024, I want to give you a few more numbers. 84 was our word of the day. Could have been 230. Here's what else it could have been. 12. That's the number of games he's played since the 2020 season ended. Zero and 21. He only played six and 22. Don't forget about his suspension of 11 games. And in 23, that's now, that's six games. Add it up. That's 12 games in three seasons. Out of a possible, wait for it. Let me quickly do the math. 17 times three is 17, 34, 44, 54, 51. 51 games. 12 of 51. 12, 24, 36, 48. That is about 22.8%. 22.8%. Let me give you another number. If it had not been 84, 230, 22.8 or 12. How about this one? 7.7. That's a good number. I love triple seven somewhere on my body. 7.7 is the number of million of dollars. That was awkward. Let me do it better, Coca. 4869. 7.7. That is the number of millions of dollars that Deshaun Watson has made per game played so far in his contract. $7.7 million. That's almost $2 million a quarter. How do you think Cleveland's feeling about the Deshaun Watson contract? So when you're in the front office, you have to be very clear. You have to really rally the troops. When you have something that you believe is going to be a problem in your local media or a problem in the national media, you get everyone together and you give out talking points. I hope the Browns have talking points about the Deshaun Watson contract. Talking points are used to give to employees for when employees who always represent your company are at a bar, are at a restaurant, or on an airplane wearing a Browns quarter zip. When you're in an owner's meeting, a PR meeting, a winter meeting, an AA meeting. I don't care what meeting you're at. When people know where you work, they start talking about your team. When there is a story that's going to be talked about your team, you have to arm your employees who are all extensions of yourself. You've got to get them on message. What is the message that every employee of the Browns need to be disseminating to the general public? 
My message, and I cannot believe I'm giving this to you, but it's true. This is my message. I'd get the whole group together, have a full employee-wide meeting, and then I would back it up with an email with written points. Here are my points on Deshaun Watson. We are thrilled that Deshaun Watson is a Cleveland Brown. We remain committed to him as the quarterback who will bring this city a Super Bowl championship. We don't control fluke injuries. This is not a permanent injury. He will be back and ready to win in 2024, and we are excited for that. We are disappointed with 2023, but recognize injuries are part of the game, and we will not either withdraw our support or withdraw our desire to win with Deshaun as our quarterback. Now, of course, my fingers and toes are crossed right now, because here's what I'd like to say as president of the team with Haslam as the owner. I'd call a meeting while the owner was out of town and say, hey, we know that our owner is an absolute idiot. We know that you people have been subject to scorn and embarrassment because we gave this yachts $230 million. We know it is shameful. And we also know that we're gonna try to win without him this year. And I'm gonna do everything I can to convince the owner and the GM to move on from Watson so that we can get our reputation back, not just in this city, but around football. So go out there and represent the Brown with pride because too long it's been associated with crap. That's what I'd like to have said, but I'd probably say the former because I'd be in the middle of a contract. What do you do when you are running a team and you've got Draymond Green on your team? Steve Kerr during the off season doubled down on Draymond Green. He's our glue, we need him. Remember, he was going to be a free agent, and then he re-signed, of course, and it was a choice between Green and Poole. I said, of course, they're going to choose Green because look at Poole. Look at Poole with the Wizards, a total disaster. One of the things I loved, side note, Coca, not in the show. This is going to, I'm going to try to have this not come off in any way, but it will by definition. I used to love getting emails or walking down the street or giving speeches, and everybody's saying, man, I want your job. And on a side note, I could do your job better. I wouldn't have made those trades. My players would have been better. My fantasy team is way better than your real team. I've heard all those things. No problem. Sometimes there are people who are not in the number one position who assume that they want to do a coup d'etat and being in the number one position is gonna be all rainbows and unicorns. Well, dear Jordan, not Michael, but Poole. Not Deadpool, but the guy in the Wizards. You think he likes being the number one? How is it being on a crappy team and knowing that you're not nearly as good as you thought you were and that you wanting to be the leader means that your team stinks because you were more of a complimentary player? That's a hard thing to swallow when you realize that, wow, I'm not a number one, I'm more like a number four. That's tough. Athletes don't want to admit that. Jordan Poole is acting like a petulant baby right now for Washington. The Warriors are thrilled that they don't have him on their team. And my question is, are they still thrilled to have Draymond Green on their team? 
when you have a player on your team who you believe is a glue in the clubhouse, an important part of your team makeup, an important part of your community, an important part of what you're trying to get accomplished on the floor, you have to decide how long you're going to stick with that group of players and then with each person within that group core of players. People talk about the Yankees core four of Pettit and Posada and Jeter and Mariano Rivera. They don't mention Bernie Williams. It's weird how PR happens. I don't know how Bernie Williams doesn't get mentioned. He is probably largely responsible for that run of World Series the Yankees have. But from a marketing and PR standpoint and also an internal communication standpoint, you marry yourself to a certain player or group of players. Draymond Green has been in that group for the Warriors for a really long time. Do you remember that as a free agent, he just signed, and what we told you at the time was absurd, $25 million a year contract, and he got four years. Now, granted, salaries and contracts in the NBA are overinflated because they have to pay to a floor, but Draymond Green is not a $25 million player on the court. The way they excused it is that he's a $25 million player combining on court and off court. Generally, the rule of thumb is you want it to be at least 80-20. You want 80% of the value to be on the court or on the field, and 20% of the value can be in sponsorships or can be in leadership in the clubhouse, anything that's off the field. So don't believe the rhetoric when someone says, oh, this guy's so good. You're hearing this with Japanese players. This guy's so good, he's going to bring in $30 million in sponsorship revenue. Okay. The way you evaluate, you want a player helping you 80% of its value, of his value, on the field, on the court. Draymond Green is no longer that. Draymond Green the other day got himself engaged in a fight, Warriors against the T-Wolves, in the play-in tournament, which Adam Silver is trying to sell as a standalone item, as this great event, bringing attention to the event through great competition and players who care about wanting to get to Vegas for the semis and the finals, because who doesn't want to go to Vegas? You think LeBron doesn't want to go to Vegas? Of course he does. So in the middle of the game, a fight breaks out, and Draymond Green basically chokes out Rudy Gobert. Green and Gobert have a history, not a great one, they have clapped back at each other over the years. Draymond Green chokes him, gets ejected. And my position upon that ejection, and we didn't get to it in yesterday's show, and I'm going to do something that no other host would do. Because why do I have to admit I was wrong when I didn't do it publicly? I had on the rundown what I wanted to get to when Coke and I talked about it, is that Draymond Green would be suspended for 10 games. Wait to see. It's not an official way to see because I didn't say it on the show, but I'm going to tell you it was an official way to see. I cannot believe that Adam Silver suspended Draymond Green for only five games for what he did. And the comments made by Joe Dumars following the suspension were the exact reason why the suspension needed to be more than five games. Joe Dumars, the former great Hall of Fame Detroit Pistons world champion, is now the VP, an NBA executive VP. He said that Green's history of unsportsmanlike conduct played a role in the length of the suspension. What role? Was it a negative role? Was it going to be 10, but because he's such a model citizen, they moved it down to five? Or is what Joe was saying it was going to be two, and because he's such a recidivist, they're going to make it five? 
in what world does choking out a player become a two or a three or a four? And in what world is Draymond Green's history bring it only up from a three to a five or a four to a five or a two to a five? Or was it a zero to a five? That's the only possible explanation that he wasn't going to suspend him. But because of his previous bad behavior, we really stuck it to him and gave him five games. Because in baseball, when he gives someone five games, a pitcher, that's one game because they only missed one game started. A position player, five games. You appeal it, gets down to four, maybe down to three. Remember my rule. You always suspend a player for more than it's going to be because there's the appeal and then it gets brought down in a settlement before an arbitrator. So the NBA has to decide what kind of league it wants to be. And I am going back to the days of the malice in the palace. Decision was made very clearly after that moment by David Stern. And if you know, you know that it was becoming too much street fighting, too much thuggery. And he needed to clean it up for sponsors, for fans. And the NBA did that. And there was no more brawling the NBA, the Pistons, the Knicks, those types of teams. It became 94 to 90 were games like third quarter scores. Rules were changed to make the scores 125 to 117. Offense, no defense, because defense is how you get Anthony Mason's and rest in peace and Charles Oakley's and Dennis Rodman's. That's the league, the league they've created. I go back to Rob Manford, the commissioner of baseball, who sits us in a room as team presidents and owners and says, it's your game. What kind of game do you want? Do you want fast? Do you want slow? Do you want boring? Do you want offense? Do you want defense? We'll change whatever rules you want. You tell us it's your game. Are you happy with the game, you octogenarian, or not? Because I'm telling you right now, the sponsors aren't, and the fans aren't. I wonder whether Adam Silver, Adam Silver does the same with his owners. And he says, hey, how do you like our game? I think we should make sure it's a chuck and duck. Let's go back and forth and play ISO basketball and just shoot from threes, have teams go three for 25 from threes or 11 from 25 from three, and that'll decide who wins. We will absolutely get rid of the mid-range shot the way we got rid of mid-range players and mid-range salaries. 15-foot shots, who cares? Taking players down one-on-one, it's only to see if you draw the defense and then kick out to four other guys standing behind the three-point line. Hey, duck, because it's about to be chucked. If that's the game, that's the game, that's what you want, I'm fine. But what I guarantee you basketball doesn't want is Draymond Green choking out Rudy Gobert. And if you're trying to stop that behavior, you need to show players that you're not going to tolerate that. You are not going to include Draymond Green in anything you're doing nationally, any sort of advertising. You are not going to promote him in any way, and you are going to kick him out. And I don't mean for a week, five games. You make it very clear that what he did was wrong because this little suspension of five games, it's a joke. All right, we come back. We're starting something new today when it comes to movie reviews. I want to mention it when we come back. And I also want to uh, tell you that the Anaheim Angels have a new manager who's old, but amazing. 
And then we're going to catch you up on something going on in Philly that is important to talk about with one of their players, Kelly Oubre. Uh, it is a story you won't want to miss. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson on a Thursday. Matthew Koch and I are here every day. Many more days than most. Not every day, Monday to Friday. Almost every Monday to Friday. Thank you for downloading, rating, reviewing, subscribing, for joining us live at 8 a.m. We love it. We love when you interact with us. We love all of the things that we do all hours of the day and night. Yes, some of you I was interacting with must live on the West Coast. You're not watching now because we were interacting at about 2.30 in the morning, Eastern time. I watched a movie the other day, and I watched this movie because more than one of you and fewer than 20. So not a huge number based on the size of our audience, but enough that it got me thinking. You've always asked about my top 100 movies list and we've made it public. It's part of the document that's on davidsampsonpodcast.com. You can look at all of our picks of the day, all of our wait to sees, all of our uh, words of the day. Everything's there, transparency. When we win, when we lose, when we are good, when we're not good. I love when you give me movie suggestions. I keep them on a list and I try to watch. But you asked me to review movies in my top 100. And I thought, what a great idea. I get to rewatch my top 100 movies in a totally random number generated order. So you do one to 100 on a random number generator and out came 19. Yeah, that excited me actually. I got to rewatch L.A. Story, the 1991 film starring Steve Martin, Victoria Tennant, his then wife, guest appearances by stars left and right, Chevy Chase, Patrick Stewart, Rick Moranis in one of the best cameos he's ever done or I've ever seen as a gravedigger, and SJP, a very young Sarah Jessica Parker. This is a love story for L.A. That is a movie that I am begging you to watch if you're willing to suspend disbelief just for a few minutes and understand. If you're from LA, you've got to watch it, period. If you've been to LA, you have to watch it. If you don't know about LA, but only what you think or what you're told, you got to watch it. It's not about the special effects. It's about the small little things that Steve Martin, the brilliant Steve Martin, puts into this movie. But at its core, it's a love story. And there is a line in this movie 
that is one of my favorite lines of any movie where he talks about three places that are the holiest places in the world. The deserts outside San Jose, uh, I'm blanking, Santa Fe, New Mexico. The tree outside of Bahrain, the tree of life outside Bahrain. That's a tree that I've been to when we went to visit the troops about 10 years ago and a group of players and a group of Marlins cheerleaders called Marlins Mermaids and myself, we went to Bahrain, Qatar and Frankfurt to visit injured workers, injured uh, armed service people in Landstuhl Hospital. And one of the things we did in Bahrain is we went to the tree of life. It is a tree, a full vibrant tree in the middle of a desert. It's the most unbelievable thing of all time. And the third place is the place of a, on a restaurant on a street in LA because that's where I met her and that's where I first touched her. And he put his hand on her arm. It's a love story and you know how I feel about love stories. It involves fate, it involves Shakespeare, it involves puns, it involves humor. You will tear, you will smile and you'll wanna be in love so badly. You'll wanna feel it. Not ideal that since 1991, Steve Martin and Victoria Tennant have gotten divorced. But at the time, it was awesome. Number 19, once a week, we're gonna review a movie from the top 100 that I will rewatch based on a number generator. Then I check it off while Coca can check it, we'll check it off in the uh, document. And we'll do it again next week. So for the next 100 Thursday shows, I'm going to review a movie from my current top 100 list. And it started with LA Story, number 19. That would have been another number we could have started the show with. 84, 230, 7.7, 12, 19. I got another one, 71. Wow, should we play Lotto Coca? Is there like a big lotto number that we could use these numbers? Although 230, I do not believe is a number in lotto, but you could do 23 and zero maybe. 71 is the age of Ron Washington. Ron Washington was just named the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim manager replacing Phil Nevin. Coca, can you check during the show? Have I ever hired a 71 year old manager? Can you check the age of Jack McKeon when he was hired? in 2003. I want to say that he was 71, but now I'm thinking he may have been 72. Or he may have turned 72 when we won the World Series. Was he 72 upon being hired in May? I think he turned 72 after we hired him. But you'd have to remind me when his birthday is. Although I just spoke to him for his birthday because I call people on their birthdays. And his birthday was pretty recent but I could be wrong about that too. Oh, maybe, no, I called him on October 25th, celebrating 20 years since the World Series clinching game. That's what it was. All right, I'm back. Ron Washington, 71 years old, managed the Texas Rangers to back-to-back -back World Series appearances and no rings. As you know the story, the Rangers just won their first World Series with another older manager, Bruce Bochy. Ron Washington has wanted another chance to manage since the day he was let go. You can go back and look at the circumstances under which he was let go. Be that as it may, Ron Washington has been the third base coach in Atlanta for six years and has been hugely successful. Hugely missed 
he will be in Atlanta. And it's the best hiring Artie Moreno's ever done. Now, Ron Washington met the media. He was introduced. Here's the problem. And you knew there'd be a problem. Otherwise, it may not make the show. When you're interviewing to be the manager of the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles, what is the first question that you'll be asking? Just out of curiosity, I'm throwing it out there. Anybody? Raise your hand. You in the back. What, what, what's the first question? We're in front of a live audience right now. You in the back. You would? I say to, You can say louder. Oh, you want me to say it? Will Shohei Otani be re-signed? That's a very logical first question. Thank you. All right, sit back down. Is that not the first question you're asking? Or is it, hey, I don't really care who's on the team. I just want a job so badly. Don't you worry. I'm ready to go. Some managers have said that. And when they say that, you know that they're just desperate for a job and it's not going to work out. Ozzy Guillen said to me, I don't care who's on the team. I just know you shouldn't sign me to a four-year deal. That's ridiculous. You're wasting your money. And we were like, are you sure? All right. Shite. We have to give you four years. The owner told us to. <laughs> I knew that, David. Thanks, Ozzy. Good to see you. How's your World Series ring from us and Chicago? So Ron Washington may or may not have asked about Otani. Would have been my first question. When you meet the media and you're introduced as the manager, what is it, in your opinion, that would be the first question asked in a press conference? What are you looking for next year, Ron? We're going to go get the West. We're going to catch them. We're going to win. We've got a great team. Who's on your team, Ron? Don't know. No one asked that question. What about Otani? Don't know. Didn't ask that question. Did Otani come up in the interview process? Don't know. Didn't ask that question. What are people doing? Washington had a direct quote during the press conference. Yeah, I got to call my leaders, Anthony Rendon and Mike Trout. Uh, are you calling Otani? He's a free agent. You can call him. They're able to be called. Anybody can be called. Anybody who's a free agent. And Otani's a free agent as one of the seven players who got a qualifying offer and turned it down thereby making them free agents where the teams where they played last year will get draft pick compensation if they sign with another team, not if they sign with their own team. But they're free. Nobody can call Mike Trout unless they're an angel. Everybody can call Otani. Was it not discussed in the meeting? Hey, Ron, do me a favor. Can you call Shohei? Let's have a talk. You think the angels aren't meeting with Otani's agents and Otani? You think that Otani is going to leave California and leave Anaheim and just not give them an opportunity? Of course he is. That needs to be the first order of business. And unless Otani said to you specifically, don't mention my name in the presser, I need his name mentioned. I'm going to do anything I can to help the Angels get Otani back because why wouldn't I want to manage the greatest player that I've ever seen play? I know that he wants to win. He doesn't want to win as much as I want to win. I want to manage a World Series winning team, and we can do it here in Anaheim. I mean, Los Angeles. 
and I want to get the best players possible. And who's better than Shohei Otani? Embrace it. Instead, they look like fools ignoring it. My first order of business is calling Anthony Rendon. No, that's your last order of business. I'd call the clubhouse manager before I called Anthony Rendon. So then the GM, Perry Manazian, gets up and he says, folks, I just want you to know, we're going to be aggressive this offseason and we're going to make this team better. Where's the talk about Otani? Do the Angels get better when they lose Otani? Hmm, I wonder how that works. Is there a plan? How long are you holding the money that you're willing to pay to Otani? How long are you waiting? Because wouldn't you like to replace him with Bellinger maybe? And are you worried that Bellinger's gonna sign before Otani? Well, on nothing personal, it said Otani's gonna sign before Bellinger so that Bellinger knows where he can nuzzle up to and what the value of a hitter is. But what happens if it doesn't work that way? What happens if Samson's wrong? And I'm sitting here sitting on my hands. During a press conference, I'm talking to you about how aggressive I am. I just don't like when teams meet the media. And of course I used to do this. I just don't like it anymore. When we make believe that you're all stupid. What a mistake. I should have always assumed that all of you were smarter than I. And I should have acted accordingly and spoken accordingly. Introducing a new manager of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and not having one word about Otani seems insane to me. What do I know? Well, I do know how to pick a game back to over 500. Nothing personal pick of the day. One second, please. The nothing personal pick of the day on Nothing Personal with David Sampson is brought to you by Hi, my name's David Sampson. The nothing personal pick of the day was the Boston Celtics giving three and a half points to the Philadelphia 76ers. At the time of recording, David Sampson was not aware that Jalen Brown and Porzingis were not going to be playing, nor was he aware that the line on the game was going to be even upon tip-off. One of the occupational hazards of betting with Sampson on the nothing personal pick of the day is that he gives you the picks live at approximately 8.33 a.m. Eastern. And the games don't happen till about 11 hours later, sometimes 14 hours later. And we don't know in the NBA ever who's going to play and who's not. And then the game goes off at pick them and you feel like a jackass when the Celtics win by two and you lose your pick because I got to go with the pick that I made, which was Celtics minus three and a half. We are 168 and 167 because the Celtics won by 10. <laughs> Tell me the truth. Would you have taken the Celtics minus three and a half once you figured that Brown and Porzingis were gone and not playing? What would you have done? I stuck to it. No hedging, no nothing. Pick of the day is pick of the day. All right, big football game. Coke and I are watching together tonight. No, we're not. Bengals, Ravens. You know the Ravens are his favorite team. You know that. Are the Ravens, by the way, Coke, are they the number one seed currently in the uh, AFC? Or what is it the uh, Dolphins? Chiefs? Or is it the Ravens? I'm not sure who the number one seed is, but it could be the Ravens. And I know that you have a great history when the Ravens are the number one seed. 
The Chiefs are the number one seed. Thank you, Coca. So the Bengals are getting three and a half points versus the Ravens. And I have this in my calculus as a field goal game, if not a Ravens victory. So we're, uh, excuse me, 4-8-69. I have this as a field goal game, if not a Bengals victory. So we're taking the Bengals plus three and a half versus the Ravens. And then we're going back to the parlay, but we're not using the NFL as part of it. We're going to the NBA for this parlay. There's two games in the NBA. I want to watch them both. The Miami Heat are H-O-T, like white hot. The Warriors are reeling. We are taking the Heat and the Thunder in a money line parlay, and we're getting plus 158. And all they have to do is win. So we have the Bengals plus three and a half as a standalone, and then the Heat and Thunder winning on the money line as a parlay. That's a plus 158 parlay. Odds brought to you by. All right, let's talk about what's going on in Philadelphia. This is going to get dicey. And the reason it's going to get dicey is, again, I want to bring you under the kimono, behind the kimono? I think it's under the kimono, about what happens when there's an issue with the player and the law. In baseball, the first thing that we give to our players and the first thing that we give to our GM and team president is a card, and on that card is the number of an RSA. An RSA is a former police person. An RSA is employed by Major League Baseball, and there is one in every Major League city. If you have a problem in any city, your first call is not to your wife or your mother. It's not to your coach. The first call a player makes when a player's in trouble of any kind is to the RSA in the city where they are. When players don't carry that around, we as a team always had someone. In our case, it was Big John. Big John's job, in addition to being security for me and for Jeffrey and for Wayne Huizenga and for Michael Jordan and for Dan Marino and for John Henry. That's not a look at me, Louie, by the way. That's how amazing John Anderson was. First calls to John Anderson. John Anderson then is in touch with the RSA. They're in touch with the police department and they need to find out and do find out what's happening in every situation where a player's involved. They find out before you do, before it's tweeted. They don't do anything unsavory. There's no cover-ups. There's nothing illegal. They are taking care of issues. Got into a big spat with the shipping container when I discussed this once, trying to explain what happens in the real world of sports, and they didn't want to hear it. You're saying too much, David. Well, I'm not going to say too much. I'm going to say the exact right amount about what's going on with Kelly Oubre, who is the Philadelphia 76ers player who was run over by a car, is out with broken ribs and a hurt knee, whatever other injuries. And the police department in Philly thought it appropriate to say that there is no update at all in the investigation about Ubre being struck by a car while crossing a street Saturday night in downtown Philadelphia, where he broke his ribs, suffered cuts and lacerations. They said, and this is an officer emailing the Associated Press, no video has been recovered. 
no evidence that a crash has occurred at the intersection where Ubre reported that he was hit on Saturday night. The internet went crazy. The Sixers lost control of the narrative. Was it domestic violence? Is he lying? Was he drunk? Was he driving? Was he walking? What's the story? In the absence of fact, people find solace in crap. Can put that on tombstone. In the absence of fact, I found solace in fertilizer. What went wrong here? When six or seven hours later, a video was released by TMZ of Kelly Oubre walking into his apartment complex, house, hallway, and telling a woman whose voice you hear, I just got hit by a car and he was holding a bicycle. All right, here's all the things that possibly could have happened. Number one, Kelly Oubre could have been lost as a new member of the Sixers. He may not have known exactly where he was. He may have gotten hit by a car who then ran, and he may have gotten himself back home and told his girlfriend, hey, I just got hit by a car. That is possible. That would go against everything we tell players to do. When you are hurt, if you get hit by a car, if you fall, if you have an issue with a person, if you're gonna be arrested, there is a phone number we give you to call immediately if 911 is not the first call. If you're hit by a car or you're run over like by a bicycle on the streets of New York City, you call 911 first, then you call the Team RSA. You don't get yourself up, walk back to the team hotel, then get on the team bus and then go to the trainer and then say, hey, I'm out of the lineup tonight because I got run over by a bike or a car or a horse and carriage. Is it possible that the Philadelphia 76ers do not have that same chain of events, chain of command? Doubtful, but possible. Is it not also possible that something else happened, that the player's trying to hide because he doesn't want to be terminated for cause, which can happen if you participate in a prohibited activity? We've had plenty of players lie to us, and we caught them, about what they were doing when they got hurt. A former Met Cespedes, lied. Plenty of players lie because they do not want to lose their money. There are provisions in a contract that say, don't do this, this, that, and this. Some contracts say no cycling. Was Ubre cycling? Is it uh, activity that he shouldn't have been doing? Who knows? Did he get hurt skydiving? Did he get hurt playing racquetball? Who knows? Is there incentive for him to cover up if it were a domestic violence issue, the way Tiger Woods tried to at the beginning? Of course there is. But the team is always told the truth so they can help you help yourself and help the team and help the PR. It's all based on having knowledge from the start. TMZ video was released by some superintendent of a building, by some neighbor trying to get famous, trying to get rich off videos of a celebrity who's living in the house and the building? Was it released by the team? Was it released by the player? We have an absence of information and all the Sixers did, because Josh Harris is worried way too much about the commanders. He said, hey, new coach, Nick Nurse, you're our guy. 
you be the spokesperson. So Nick Nurse had to say, I don't think it's very fair to say he made up some story. I just don't. I'm going to believe him at his word. He's one of our players, and we're going to stand behind him, and so am I. When asked, does he personally believe Ubre's story, Nick Nurse said, I don't have any reason not to believe him. This is not good. If you're going to have your coach be your spokesperson and be out front, you're going to have to be a little stronger than I have no reason not to believe him, or I don't think it's very fair to say that he made up the story. You don't have the facts yet, Jack. You are the team. You've got a lot of resources to find out what happened. You have access to all of the video. You have access to all the street cameras. Sounds terrible, but it's true. Every team is one phone call away from getting access to every single video that is, exists. All the privacy that you think you have, believe me, you're being watched. And believe me, professional sports teams can get access to that video. Nah, people are going to criticize me. No, they won't, David. They can't get access. It's not how it works. That's horrible to think that powerful entities like sports teams can have access to things like that. You're right. Welcome to La La Land, if you don't believe me. Wouldn't it behoove the Sixers to have the information and then have a better comment out there that gives you some sort of comfort that, hey, we're on this. This does appear a little strange. The fact that TMZ has the video released and that we're saying nothing but, hey, of course we believe him, but the internet is out there saying, hmm, this is slightly fishy. And the police department itself is getting ahead of themselves inappropriately and telling you they have no video evidence. Why not just say we're currently investigating? Anytime there's a pedestrian accident in our community, we investigate. Wouldn't you want to know if he got hit by a hit and run driver, whether that driver was drunk and get that driver off the street? Of course, the investigators want to know that. There's so many things that are happening in this case in Philadelphia that are ordinary course, but it's very suspicious to me that it's being treated publicly in this way that causes nothing but cynicism and questions. Is it possible that we're going to hear in a day, a week, or a month that yes, he was on his bike and yes, he got run over. Here's the video of the car actually hitting him because the TMZ video of him walking into his house, that's not too dispositive. Is it possible that it will come out in a day, a week, or a month that there was a different thing that happened and it was an attempt at a cover-up? All things are on the table. In the absence of confirmation, it is always best to say nothing. And if you do know what happened and you mislead people, the cover-up is always worse. Josh Harris needs to know better if you're going to own multiple teams because these things come up more often than you'd think. Well, that's our show. I appreciate your time. We again did not get to the arrest, Coco. I'm very sorry that happened in hockey. I do want to get to that. I promise I'm going to try to do that tomorrow. In the meantime, thanks for being with us. It's just business. This is nothing personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.